Oh, hello. Come in. Come in. Join the rest of the party. We got everyone together with confetti, twirly whirlies, hangy singies, and Oma's homemade Schwarzwalden Kirschtorte. You should take a look upstairs too. There are plenty of fun games to play like Duck Duck, Geschlackeswerker, Red Rover, Red Rovers, and Gunther and Jürgen on over, and much, much more. We are all celebrating how great everyone is looking from completing the map's super bundle. You have to try it. Klaus lost all his baby weight, and now his pants too. Oh my! Map Super Bundle. Later, Hosen. Never looked this good. Mapsfitnessproducts.com. Ooh, join us and party for Fittoberfest. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Hey, guys. Hey. In this episode of Mind Pump, <laughs> For the first 46 minutes, uh, we have our fun conversation time. We talk about smiles and frowns and the distorted images on social media. Yeah. Then we talk about executives leaving Facebook and Instagram. What's going on over there? Everybody's taking off. We talk about Netflix's Maniac. This is a new show Adam's uh, promoting here on our on our podcast. And how they show advertising. Is the future of advertising Going to be super manipulative, more than it is now. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. Then we talk about Adam's headache remedy. In fact, Adam, did it work? No. No, oh, headaches. Damn it. Oh, uh, spoiler three, alert. Three, <laughs> it didn't, fourth time try. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> uh, we talk about the study on food withdrawals and attachment to food. Again, I mentioned Four Sigmatic's charcoal lemonade which i absolutely love the magical vegas formula we are sponsored by four sigmatic if you go to foursigmatic.com forward slash mind pump that's f-o-u-r-s-i-g-m-a-t-i-c.com forward slash mind pump and use the code mind pump at checkout you will get a discount then we talk about our brand new red light therapy juve light in the studio adam kept the other one at home never brought it back we had to get a new one it's fine this one's more powerful for the studio, um, people are getting great results with these things with their skin conditions, uh, elevating testosterone levels, just feeling better. Mm. Um, and we've got something for you. If you go to juve, J-O-O-V-V dot com forward slash mind pump, and you get $500 or more of a product, this is what you're going to get. Free shipping and a free MAPS Prime program. You're welcome. Boom. Then we get to the questions. The first question was, if someone does their mobility drills at home prior to going to the gym... How long does it take before the drills lose their efficacy? In other words, if they do them at home and they drive like an hour to the gym, was it a waste of time? Hmm. Next question. Mark Ripito, one of the legends in uh, fitness, just did an article on how unilateral training is pretty much useless. It's a what? useless gimmick yeah. uh, because you get all the strength and stuff you need from compound both uh, bilateral type movement I exercises. Agree with, uh, most of what he says. We disagree with you. Not this one. Mark, we haven't read the article though. Maybe he does talk about it a little bit more, but we, we disagree with you based on this question. Find out why. The next question was Is there really an anabolic window? If not, how did it come about? Who invented this anabolic window? Was it the supplement industry? Yeah. Probably. And the final question Can we make an argument for? circuit training. A lot of times we talk about the negatives of circuit training. 
What are the positives? Find out in this part of that episode. Also, uh, it is September. We have launched our newest program, Maps Strong. It's flying off the shelves. We're almost out. We're almost, <laughs> There's three left. We're almost out. There's yeah. almost no more Map Strong programs available. Map Strong was the program that we created with World's Strongest Man competitor, Robert Oberst. It is a strongman-inspired workout that you could do at any gym. So barbells, dumbbells, squat rack, adjustable bench. And then we have mods in there for people who have actual strongman equipment. Great workout. Very intense. Very hard. Is more advanced. So if you're advanced, it's a great program to check out. Just go to Maps Strong. Dot com. Go check that out. If you want to start off somewhere else, let's say you're not that advanced or you're more interested in bodybuilding or you're more interested in athletic type training, check out our other MAPS programs and bundles at mapsfitnessproducts.com. You know, people can hear you smile over the phone. I hear you smile. They've done studies where they've actually had people guess whether or not someone was smiling as they were talking on the phone and the odds are statistically higher than than you know random that they can. What's the difference? Yes. Well, that's all connected to the. Hi. That's, that's all connected to the predictive brain uh, because yeah, I guess when you're hard. talking to somebody and they're talking with excitement and energy and you've talked to thousands of people over your life and they're smiling when they're talking that way, the brain can picture that and image that right away. So that's where that comes. See, from. I can see how you're smiling right now. I could hear it. Yeah. I could. Do you hear that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's because you do it. <laughs> try, try and like sound excited with your mouth kind of down. Let's see. It's almost impossible. Hey, oh my god! <laughs> that doesn't no, that work, sa- dude. That sounded like you were you were kidnapped or something. You're trying to, <laughs> you were screaming out of the yeah, back. Somebody of just threw me in a van. Saying, you know, talking to the facial stuff that re- that that reminds me of facials something that, the, that we've never no talking about smiling and oh, being able to talk about it. Okay. No, how about um, how important it is that you do that so your face doesn't shape that way? It's like a, there's muscles. There's tons of muscles in your face, and just like any other muscle, it'll atrophy if you don't work it. So mm-hmm. if you don't practice smiling all the time you're gonna look like them fucking grumpy old people dude <laughs> dude with them d- frown wrinkles i've told well scowling no constantly. right there's truth to that yeah. right well i've told you guys about there's these fascinating studies on botox where oh, people yeah. will get they'll get botox on their frown wrinkles and so what they do is they 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 and botox is a it's a it's a neurotoxin if you inject it into a muscle it temporarily paralyzes it right so they'll they'll paralyze the muscles that make them frown. Right. So now people don't frown as much. And you know what they find in the studies? That people are less sad yeah. after they do that because they don't frown as much. Yeah. Now, but also- But as, doesn't it lower, you know- Their your, empathy. Yeah. Yes. That's, it, I think I remember reading that too. Weird, right? Yeah. You're, a happy, you're happier, but then you're a dick. It's, so it's weird. It's kind of like taking like antidepressants on some level, right? Maybe, but because there's a feedback loop, right? There's- yeah. Some stuff that happens internally that makes you display how you feel, but then how you you the way you display how you feel also feedback gives feedback to the inside of you. Don't you trip you out on how we're yeah. getting more and more plastic looking and this? I a- hate it. I AI it. is coming, and then like it's kind of crazy to me. When I was I was just watching some. Who did I see? I think yeah. I saw some actress, and I'm like, damn, she still looks hot. She's like sixty something. Oh, uh, on Cindy Crawford. I don't know, dude. Some of them just <laughs> she's a fox. You right need to start throwing out guesses. <laughs> oh yeah, huh. it was definitely her. It was definitely her. <laughs> it's just because you like, hey, like late sixties. Just because you masturbated to her last week. He's like, that's the first thing that came uh, right to Lots of tissues. Lots of tissues. Oh my we're flying. I mean, I have. I did. I did too. But I think I was fifteen, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm pretty sure the last time I jerked off to Cindy Crawford, I was fifteen. The only one that could pull off a mole, and I'm still in. You know, you know what, what I mean? though? It's. It, I tell you what. These actresses and actors that get 
get all this work done. When you see them in pictures, they look okay because it's a but frozen. But in real life, they look totally terrible. Yeah, they look. Yeah. It looks creepy. They almost look. It looks fake and creepy. And you're seeing more and more everyday people. So it's funny. Okay, but you so. know what? Though we're going to this world with Instagram and social media. The video and that stuff matters more, well, right? Dude, I was yeah. having this conversation with Jessica. We were going for a walk the other night, and we were talking about. Just this, you know, we like to, her and I like to have these conversations where we take a topic and we get extreme with it. And the topic was like the strange. the extreme. Yeah, the strange things that we do to ourselves to change our appearance. And we went all the way back to, you know, just the clothes you wear, combing your hair. But then we went up all the way up. Right, because that's the beginning of it. That's the beginning. I mean, at one point we started with that. Why did we put clothes on? Right, right, right. right. And so I told her, I said, you know what's funny? I said, if people just walked around naked all the time. I bet you, you would have less instances of people who wanted to get plastic surgery on, let's say, their boobs, for example. Like a lot of women will get breast augmentation because, you know, after having children, they get older, the boobs sag, and they'll say they look like empty socks or whatever. But the reason why that's such a, one of the reasons I think one of the reasons why we want to change that so much is because we never see old naked ladies all the time. We never see, and so our perception of what's normal is really comparing to social media and comparing to advertisers and fashion. Well, you talk about this all the time with evolution that we, we were designed to want to procreate. And if all the images that are put out in magazines are these youthful looking women with fake breasts all the time, then it makes sense that we would gravitate towards that. Well, we per- that what, ha- what ends up happening is we end up perceiving that, that the world, more of the world looks like that. Like, for example, if you took a fashion model or you took a model, the proportions and the way they look are so rare they're so rare in nature that we obviously we, we value it and we put it on a picture. But if you just look around the people around you, how often do you see someone where you look at them and go, whoa, that's a fashion. It's rare. It's very, very rare. But because we see it all the time in advertising, in print, and in social media, our brain perceives that to be all the people around us. So now you view yourself as far lower on the totem pole of aesthetics or looks or whatever, or success or happiness, because you're comparing yourself to these. It's no difference. Funny in the 1970s. What year did the first uh, Jaws come out? It was like 1978 or something like that. It was mm. in the 70s, right? Yeah, 70s. So Jaws comes out, and public perception of shark attacks oh, went okay. through the roof. Oh yeah, everybody thought, mass hysteria. They actually did polls, and and they and people thought, and because of that movie, news uh, papers started reporting on the rare shark attacks. Like, man, got attacked by shark or whatever. And people's perception of shark attacks went through the roof where people thought, oh, 1975, thanks, Doug, where people thought shark attacks were on the rise when, in fact, shark attacks have been the same consistently Mm -hmm. year over year. It's it's the same thing when you see, like, a kidnapping on TV or when you see, like, violence or whatever, and it's no different, like... You, all we're going to see is more and more... That being said, though, do you think it would be a good or a bad thing? Imagine if we all walked around naked and we we just agree that the norm is somebody who's obese and and then that's just how we all are going to evolve and look and be because we have all this access to all this food now. Would that be a good thing or a bad thing? I think it would skew more towards that direction, but there's always that innate... Because they have done studies on aesthetics and they'll do these like these wide studies uh, across different cultures, right? Where they say, okay, what do you consider to be the ideal male shape or what do you consider to be the ideal female shape or whatever? And there's definitely variances. Like some countries, uh, well, you know, it's like 15 to 20 pound difference between one culture which thinks, you know, thinner is better and another culture which thinks heavier is better. 
but there are constants. For example, the hip to waist ratio, and I can't remember what the number was. There was an actual number that they figured out, but there's a hip to waist ratio. 36, 24, 36. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Is that Sir Mix-a-Lot song? Yeah, Sir that Mix-a-Lot. Was. Baby's got back. But that there's a hip to waist ratio that we consider aesthetic regardless of the size of a person. Um, and they've connected that to uh, success in childbirth. So if you have this hip to waist ratio, the odds that you'll have successful childbirth are much higher. So I think there's those innate things, but I also think we're so skewed in the opposite direction to where if you just saw a fit and healthy, non-modified, you know, 40-year-old, average 40-year-old or 50-year-old walk around naked, they wouldn't. They still wouldn't look anything like the perfect airbrushed, you know, stuff that we see in social media and advertising. You know what I mean? So I think you're, I think it would skew it more that direction, Adam, but I don't think it would be... Well, it would take a long so time for people to get used to seeing balls. Yeah, this is <laughs> yeah. my point. Yeah, it's not a pretty... Problem. I don't think that this is going to sell anybody. Yeah. You might get more... <laughs> going to buy in on this idea. You might get some more ball yeah. tucks. I, what do you yeah. say all the time? The, the toothpaste is already out of the tube, dude. It's like, there's too late. We can't go back. No. Dude, it's, it's just... No, hide that shit. Bro, it's, these ki- kids I'm just trying gonna... to slow it down a little bit. I think it's becoming so crazy that that's your image on social media and all that shit matters even more than your you know person-to-person interaction or in real life. Like I think mm-hmm. people spend more time with the image that they put out there on the internet or on video or TV that that becomes more of a priority. Yeah, it's weird. I look at Instagram. It's just, it really is just like this advertisement. It's like an advertisement of your best self. Like here's, you know, sort of a snippet. Here's my business card of myself at my best. And it's always that way. Like people, I mean, it's just, it's human nature. You want to like show people like uh, what's cool that you're doing or like, you know, how you know good you're looking angle wise with like the best lighting or whatever. But it's just, it's just like projecting that. And, and so it's, I just look at it as that. It's like people just showing themselves. They're just trying to be like, okay, this is when I was looking good. Well, dude, it's already changed so much. Okay. So w- 10, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, even if for a, I remember when it was a big deal, if an actress or a model posted a picture or not posted, excuse me, had a picture of them taken in like a thong underwear, right? Like, oh my God, so-and-so actress, we saw her in a thong. Everybody made a big deal about it. Fucking every girl on Instagram does that. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody now posts pictures of them and they'll post a picture of their ass. So these are regular people who are literally like, look at my butt. And, and if they haven't, it's just a matter of time. Yeah. You know, you and I'm not ju- I'm not judging. I'm just saying yeah. that the, our perception of what we consider, you know, okay oh, or not. It's the norm now. It's interesting. It's wild, right? Yeah. It's changed. So you know what else it's changed is because uh, I did a post today about, um, you know, victimhood mentality. And I had to think real hard about it because I was wondering, because it feels like everybody feels like they're a victim right now. Everybody's getting offended. But I wonder if it's just social media. You know what I mean? I wonder if it's just because now everybody has a voice. So mm-hmm. that one person that complains that, you know, it, it, it was offensive that you have dreadlocks because you're, you know, uh, culturally appropriating or someone. Or if it's or offensive because I did an Insta story that said some shit, you know. Yeah, like that. yeah, that one. That's a good example because that happens a couple of times all the time. Those are my fa- my favorite is when someone tattles on one YouTube. Like the- <laughs> Like Does they, that ever happen to you too? Where yeah, of course, yeah, of course. Of yeah, course, yeah. they DM. But there's something they don't like about something that you said or you did. Right. Like I get a DM. Like get the fuck out of here. Like, like yeah. I'm not gonna tell him. Dude, <laughs> sometimes sell so arrogant. You know yeah. I mean? Like, like, no, like not, I'm gonna chime yeah. in with him. Like, yeah, he totally is. is. Fuck yeah. him. 
Is that well? Is that you saying that right now, Justin? No. I feel like you never got hey, that message. Hey, that's it. That's, Come that's on, what man. Justin DMs me. Yeah. I saved those. I don't want to hurt your, your Justin, feelings. Justin slides in my DMs. Yeah. He's like, dude, Sal's so, so we both laugh at her. Yeah. It's like, oh wow, this is funny. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah you know, I, it's funny. When I'll get messages right because I shared one with Adam the, the other day. That's what we're talking about, and. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because there's no space between us. So it's like, you can't, yeah, you can't talk shit about one of my boys to me. Right. It just doesn't, I don't care what they did. I'm going to fucking defend them. Right. It doesn't matter, you know, how shitty it is. Well, and you said this actually, and I think there's actually a really good lesson in this. There's a good lesson um, in business. I mean, you should share that. I mean, uh, you shared that on a thread that was with, uh, all of the employees and I think, or excuse me, all the contractors. And so I think it's important that people understand that. I don't think this is communicated in business a lot of times. I think there is a lot of victimhood. I think there's a lot of tattletaling. I think there's a lot of throwing under the bus and it, people don't realize how weak that makes them look. So and, weak. Yeah. It makes it, it's so important. Yeah. I learned it, it as a team, like a mm-hmm. legit team. And I think that a lot of people don't know how to interact like that. Like you look out for your, you know, the person that's working alongside you, like that's your first priority. It and, is. You know, it is. You know what it reminds me of? There's a scene in The Godfather where uh, you have, you know, the uh, Marlon Brando's character, right? And you have Sonny and he's him and all his sons and they're talking with some of the other mob bosses and they're talking about the drug, uh, the drug world and how they want to enter into selling drugs. And Marlon Brando, the Godfather character, he says no. And then Sonny is like, but dad, we need to, maybe you should consider what he looks at his son like. Oh, like, and he knew right away, like, I need to shut the fuck up. After they were done with their meeting, the other mob bosses leave and he looks at him and he says, never go against the family in front of other people. And there's a, there's a lesson in that. And it's like, you, you learn this as a parent or if you don't learn it, you'll learn it the hard way. Mm-hmm. You and your spouse or you and your, your partner need to, to present a united front to your kids. Yeah. Even if you disagree with the decision that your spouse made. So even if, if the other parent Let's say my ex-wife tells my son, you're grounded from electronics for a month for something he did. And I think it's too harsh. Mm-hmm. He's not going to know that. My son's going to know or my daughter's going to know that I back it up. I yeah. back up that decision. Otherwise, you cause dissension. That's right. We are a united front. Yeah. When he's not around or you know, when my kid's not around, then behind closed doors, I'll say, well, that might be a little harsh or whatever. But the decision to change or overturn that. Right. Is with the person that already set that. Well, and that, that bleeds into business. Hundred percent in business. People make this mistake all the time. I, I used to lead my teams like this when I when I ran gyms, and it was very effective. And I can see other teams that don't do this well, where they'll 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 say something like, "Oh, your boss did this, or your coworker did this," and then they'll be like, "Yeah, you're right. They're stupid, whatever." And it just shows that it shows the cracks. It shows the cracks in the armor. Mm-hmm. When when you should always provide, you know, a present like we are united. There is no light in between us. And then when the doors are closed and everybody's gone, now we can argue and debate and fucking, you know, I think what you did was stupid or whatever. <laughs> but to other people, I got your back. Like there's no, you know what I mean? And I think that makes a, a, a company so much more effective and, and powerful. No, so. It's, it's so true. <clears throat> did you guys see, uh, I think I told Justin, I don't know if I told you, Sal, um, Airbnb right now is trying to uh, negotiate with the SEC to get their... Um, I don't even know what you call them. Would you call these con- contractors? Would that be a contractor if you're somebody? Yeah, it's a contractor uh, to get approval for them to have shares in the company, mm. which is really, really right. cool. If they a whole that. new motivator. Mm-hmm. I think Uber is trying to do the same thing for its drivers. Wow. So these company, which I think is really cool. I mean, what how neat that would be. Now 
for someone who doesn't understand how, how, why that would be important or why that's cool is that you take this, you take something that was <clears throat> so neat the way we talk. And I know we're, and I know we have some of our fans that hate when we talk free market stuff, but this is just a great example of how watching it work really well is you open up something like that where we all open our homes and we share with people. And so what are some of the drawbacks of that? Oh, so you, you rent a house and you get like the guy's stuff still in his house. Like that kind of sucks. It's not like, up, yeah. up to code for like a hotel, yeah. but what has I don't hap- want your family judging me, right? But what has happened? <laughs> what has happened over the last ten years is it's conv- it started to evolve, right? Mm-hmm. And it's got competitive, and now people are all on its own, all on its own, yeah. without any regulation, no without setting laws or telling people you have to do this, you can't have that in the house. Like it just people are starting to elevate their game because they want their. If you want your house rented out. Well, maybe you shouldn't leave your fucking dirty underwear inside there inside a hamper. You know what I'm saying? You have to start to elevate that. So to see that and to now see it open up that, oh, now we may even allow them to have shares in this company. Now think wow. of how much ownership you're gonna take in providing an even better service for these people that are staying at your house because now I have shares in the company and I want to see the company successful. That's such a What a brilliant model because yeah. oh, there's a lot of these businesses that are popping up where it's a it's a company and then contractors or whatever who have a lot of autonomy and independence work for it. Uber's like that. Airbnb is like that. Ease, I believe, works that way. One of our other sponsors where they do the cannabis delivery. Well, they do it to the drivers. I think that drivers, uh, in a similar way, use their own cars or whatever and mm-hmm. pick it up. Um, I know, uh, what's that? Uh, Grubhub, I think, does that too. Mm-hmm. I think it's DoorDash. brilliant. Yeah, DoorDash. And I think it's brilliant because... They don't nest. They don't work for the company in the same in the in the traditional sense where they have set hours and whatever. It's kind of like contractors or or even the um those those rent to scooters. Well, this is where they call it like the gig economy, right? Yeah, like, it's all these gigs that like people are finding that they can like uh, gain more ways to you know to to gain capital to to get money. Bro, it's it's you know how many jobs that's added to the to the economy. It's it's the largest growth has come from the gig economy over the last. 10 years. I have a friend who right now is, uh, you know, he's having, he just lost his job and he's struggling. He got another job, but he needs to make more. It's so expensive in in Silicon Valley. And he's just going to do Uber because he can do it whenever he wants. Whenever he has time, he can turn on his app and start picking people up or whatever. But the fact that they're giving uh, shares, that's going to up the game now. Well, they're trying. The they're trying to. That's what they're battling back and forth with SEC right now to try and get that approved. But I think it would be cool to see that done. I think that's it's brilliant. it's only going to elevate the business. Doug, you don't have your mic, do you? Today, you don't. Are you? No, I do. Oh, awesome, you do. Could you pull up? Um, did you guys hear about what's going on with uh, uh, Instagram and Facebook? Are the employees or the the executives that are dropping dropping like flies right now? No, oh, wow. No. Pull up. Uh, oh, is this over sexual harassment? Uh, no, 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 no. They're they're stepping out and they're stepping away. So I, I just read an article literally this morning on the way to work, and so I, I was hoping one of you guys had already read more so we could talk a little more educated on it. But I'll just have Doug pull it up right now. So some of the executives, I think it's Instagram, Doug, are are leaving, and it has something to do with the the what, what the company is evolving into as far as giving personal information and data and pictures right. and stuff. Yeah, and it's. To, I mean, here's my there take it is on right there, Facebook. top left one. Top I've left. always been most worried about them because of the personal data and information they've accumulated from basically everybody on the planet, and you know what that. I mean, innately that, that becomes like an evil, (laughs) like motive. Like what what are you going to do with like personal information like that? Like, what are you going to do with that? Mm. I'm always worried about that. So what's the problem exactly? Why are they? No. So it's, it's because they have a problem with 
what the direction of the company and where it's going with all this data. The what what Oh really? Yeah. So obviously So it's like a protest. I'm out of here. Yeah, they're like the, they don't want to be a part of it. So they're stepping away they're stepping away from it. So it's interesting to me. Justin is now watching it. I'm trying to get you to watch it. What is the name of the show that you, we were watching? It's based in the 70s. 70s, and, and it, it's interesting because it's all like the what they thought um, the the future would look like as far as like the science and like it, it's, it's. So there's a lot of things in it that are have really happened, you know, that you right. see, see in there. And then there are certain things. One of the things that's in there is the this, ad buddy, the yeah. ad buddy yes. thing, which I think is really fascinating because I think it's exactly where we're heading, only in a digital sense. So, what do we know based off of like you know the the book that I always tout all the time, Irresistible, about the amount of hours the average person is spending on Instagram and these social platforms? It's getting ridiculous, right? We're glued to our phones. Mm-hmm. Well, what's happening with companies like Facebook and Instagram, and we're we're now we're starting to refine it so much that we know who's on that phone. I mean, you guys see this now. I mean, I was playing I was playing uh, Hearts the other night and like every ad that I saw all night long was like, "Oh shit, that I was already searching and I <laughs> yeah. and I wanted." It's like so like I'm playing a game and I was like almost distracted to go shopping like in the middle of a game because I'm like they're getting so good at knowing who I am and what I I may want. And so that is the future is us to be just getting bombarded yeah. with shit that we want. Well, and so you can't get mad. It's, I, I'm not mad at that ad. That ad pops right. up. I want to know the latest shoe drop that just happened. That's fucking 400 bucks. It's like only so many people have. Like, I like that shit. And it's getting hit to me. Like, it's the minute it's going live, wherever, if I'm anywhere on any platform, it's letting me know. Wow. And so the things that, and, it, and we're refining that, and Facebook is a part of this, this and so is Instagram. And people think, oh, they get annoyed by it right now. Well, you get annoyed right now because you still get hit with shit that maybe you don't want. But imagine if all day long you're constantly getting pitched everything that you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it now just becomes to you resisting that and saying like, no, I shouldn't. And like how many people are going to have that self-control? How far will they have to go before it's it's people start to say it's not fair? Like what I mean so is- this is, this is oh, what the, Maniac, that's the name of it. Yes. Yeah. This is what the show does, which I think is brilliant too. So check this out. The guy gets to get, I'm going to just show spoiler here for this, the first episode, but he goes to get on like the subway and he doesn't have any money. Yeah. And so you have an option. If you don't have money, you can trade being advertised to for your entire ride on the subway. So some guy physically sits next to him and goes through a list of all these different products and options. And it's almost like he's getting, you know, when you've ever been to one of those uh, timeshare kind of pitches is <laughs> what it reminded me of only there's re- no escape only refined as fuck because he's yeah. going like this he's opening up very personal information about him oh yeah. you have two children you have this you they just one of them got sick for cough syrup i saw that you bought this and you use this this is actually a better brand it's been proven that 90 percent of more people are more successful with this would you like to get that for your child yeah like Wow. So think about that. We're getting to that point where the yeah, speed of the information that we're providing for all these platforms is just getting that much more refined. How crazy. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, how far can they go before people are like, okay, now it's getting, you're not, it's not fair. Now you're, I'm being manipulated too strongly. Like, if they know everything about you, if they know, if they know things that you don't even know about yourself. And what I mean by that is, I'll give you an example. There was a, there was a book, what was the book? Uh, Million Wicked Thoughts. Mm-hmm. Million Wicked Thoughts, I think that's the name of the book, was all about analyzing billions of, of bits of information from people's porn searches. Mm-hmm. And what it showed was a little bit different than what studies have shown. Why? Because studies require self-reporting. Whereas this is like you're in the heat of the moment and you're just searching for porn. 
What if it gets to the point where it can just read you and really fuck with your, you know, your 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 makeup or whatever mm-hmm. to figure out how to sell you something? And, and people thinking right now, like, oh, that's a sci-fi yeah. fantasy. No. For sure, that they'll, they'll get to that point. Well, I mean, even what movie is that that we always reference? It's uh, like Ex Machina. Yeah. Like, I, and so, like, just the brilliance of that movie being that, um, like, somebody like Facebook really, to me, like, screams like th- this is super possible in terms of like you know, aggregating personal behavior patterns, uh, from everybody around the world. Like they're the closest to be able to get that. So like my, you know, conspiracy hat on, I'm like, well, who's to say they haven't already been like trying to create the AI and be the first in that because they literally hold most of the keys in terms of like that data and information as to what makes a human being tick and all these different variables that, uh, you know, are, are there. Well, AI, the, the stuff that scares me about all this is maybe not so much advertisers that that can be i can i can see how that could go pretty far though but the part that scares me is when they start to use that in political elections and in manipulating people to get them to vote in particular ways yeah because then they'll know what what well they've already shown them they can do that they'll know effectively yeah they'll know what news articles to show you what to get you pissed off about to reinforce their their case yeah and then next thing you know you're like i'm voting for this person or i'm you know, I think we should go to war in this particular way, and and it's happened. It's happened before. I mean, many see, see, we've done re- many things. That the way. reason why that doesn't scare me as much is because I think that there is there'll always be the opposite side that will have the same resources and the same tools. I see more fear or danger because we're in this world of consumption, and it's really has only happened in the last. 30 years or so where we're in this keeping up with the Joneses and the race to consume and buy product at such a fast rate. It's crazy. You know, so far last night I bought these pants online. I get it advertised. It totally dropped me on Instagram. You bought, you bought pants online? Shut up. Just shut yeah. up. How do you okay. know what your size and <laughs> everything's perfect? Because you know why? You know why? I justify because the, they were so cheap. I was like, oh, I kind of want some of these. These are like comfortable pants. You've worn like, the brand before? No, I haven't even done that. Oh, wow. That's yeah, a risk. Total risk, right? So You're such a whale. Here's what's even funnier. <laughs> Here's what's even crazier. So I buy them, and then like an hour later, I'm surfing on Instagram, and I get advertised the same pants by a different company for $20 cheaper. Oh. <laughs> yeah, dude, I was oh, so wow. fucking pissed. Did you return oh. the other ones and buy those? No, I'm too lazy to do that. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. I, you, <laughs> you know, I chalk it up as that's what you get, asshole, for fucking buying into it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's whatever. That's hilarious. But I haven't I, bought anything through uh, internet advertising yet what? at Are, all. Is that because you're still on the iPhone 6? Is that yeah, why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, once you get oh, the iPhone. I have the Nokia. The one-click you... Amazon? Are you serious? Bro, no, so, no, no, no. I buy stuff on Amazon all the time. Well, yeah, but I mean, just through the ads, I'm like, oh, I like that. I've, I've been guilty of that. I've not, I have not done that yet however i can't say whether or not it's influenced me to go make a purchase later on i see i mean i'm sure that happens it's it's just getting it's getting better and faster and easier well they have to they have to evolve it because i mean think about how annoying it is to watch regular tv now like it's just so obnoxious to watch all these like useless ads that I, I give two shits about. Doesn't that seem so stupid? It's now? crazy, Adver- so yeah. archaic. Yeah, yeah. where they force you to listen to watch that. It's shit. crazy how fast that happened, though. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting to me that companies are still paying money. In it. So what we're finding, I mean, yeah. Taylor and I talk about this every day because he's always handling yeah. a lot of our sponsorships and relationships. And that's a good point. And and a lot of people don't know this, but many of the companies, almost all of the companies, actually, that we work with. We actually go out now. So when we first started, it was like you know nobody paying attention to us. And then finally, we started getting some attention. Then we started getting companies throwing money at us that we really just weren't interested in. And now we've evolved to a point where 
you know, we seek out the businesses that we're really interested in. And one of the hardest things and the challenges that we have is that some of them, some of these companies just aren't there yet. I mean, many of this, the companies we've talked about, the Ease, um, the Viore, uh, Mir, uh, all of these companies, uh, Felix Gray, we're the first podcast that they've ever advertised on. Just some of these companies just yeah. aren't there yet. And they're still doing old media as a way of advertising because they don't realize the conversion rate that's happening on podcasts and other platforms. So pretty interesting and and definitely challenging for us right now. But mm. the it's the future's upon oh, us. The potential gonna... is massive. Oh, and, and once these big companies realize that, uh, they're gonna. I mean, they're gonna do very well because it's just such a more interactive platform, you know, with with audience and and hosts. It is. I wonder how it's gonna evolve. You yeah. know what I mean? Because it's be going to evolve at some point. It's going to evolve. Well, what was it? It was Elon's Elon Musk's interview when he talked to Joe, right? Where he talked about which I never thought of it this way. Like everyone talks about AI being awesome and amazing, and then AI being super scary. Like no one talks about kind of the middle. And I, his theory on how we'll use it, I think, is really really fascinating. Mm-hmm. That we'll use it more as like a. Uh, a way for our brains to access information so we can get the data that we need. Just like you do with your phone right now. Right. Which Just, was, it was a massive point that he made that I was like, oh yeah, like yeah. my, I am smarter because I have access to information, you know, at my fingertips. Yeah. So, the only, the only difference is there's a, there's a bottleneck where you right. can't get there the fast enough. Or, yeah. Because you have to do use your fingers and thumbs and, Right. Whereas it, you know, it's not like you could just think and it's there. Which that's where he's pushing yeah. that he thinks the AI will go. I is. think I think that's a I think that could also be scary though. I yeah. think that could also be scary because once we're able to connect to information that quickly, it also means we can connect to other people that quickly. And I don't and you know. You can what, be manipulated too, like thinking that it's it's true. Like well, I mean, what's that going to do? do? You, yeah, how do you decipher? You haven't gone through the process of like you know empirical data and what what that is even more that yeah. that, that process. It just might be weird. Like humans have never done that before. Would we all of a sudden develop this hive mind? Yeah. You know, will we lose our independence and our individuality? Totally. I don't know. This, Are you doing your your headache remedy right now, Adam? Ooh. Yeah. I'm. This is. Yeah. I guess for the. I guess we could share with the audience. I'm. I'm attempting. This is the fourth time. So. I have a headache again. Is there a special way you eat this pickle? Yeah. By the way, do you just put the whole thing down uh, with my mouth? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is not. This is not Whoa. a bangrine filled ticket in my ass type of thing. Whoa. Right? Whoa. Hey. Yeah. You, you, or shoot it into my <laughs> dick. You know, yeah, yeah. So like I'm gonna. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna take this orally. Both methods he has see. used. Yeah. I, I'm gonna film you eating a pickle because that's always fun. Yeah. No, don't do that. Why? That's, Who cares? Huh? Nobody, nobody cares. So my my wife had the same thing, but she was pregnant. You know. So (laughs) this is not a craving. This is, this is, uh, me testing something on myself that I've, I've, I've found. It's trying to open that thing, giving you more of a headache. Yeah. I was hoping Taylor would have helped me out. I think if you just screw it, Uh, you'll pull the plastic right off with the Oh, you think so? Yeah. You just got to be strong. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Oh, oh, yeah. Don't spill pickle. Just so I want to spill pickle juice. You got to be map strong. You know, pickles are one of the best uh, diet foods of all time. Yeah. No calories in a pickle, and they're and they're very satisfying. Dude. Yeah, they're really really yeah. good. Oh, look at that weird one. Reminds mm. me of Justin. Hey, what, what, what is that? <laughs> there it is. Okay, now you said last time your headache was gone. Almost. I'm a instantly. grower, dude. Yeah, I'm a grower. So let's see what he let's see what he says about the pickle curing. Well, his. I have to. I had to eat two of them last. Oh, time. you did? Yeah. I was saying, uh, so we're not going to sit here and watch me. So eat you two. take two at a time. Yeah, I'll give you guys. <laughs> wow, champion. <laughs> Hey, you I guys didn't know he had skills like that. You yeah. guys want to hear an obvious study? I love it when they do obvious studies. 
Is this from Captain Obvious? No, or well, it should be. Somebody. Hey, it's, whatever happened to him? I know, right? Captain Obvious? Doctor, yeah. Doctor Obvious. I still rely on those studies. Oh, his studies? Yeah. His squats make the work the legs. Walking is uh, good for you, yeah. longevity-wise. Yeah. So here's the study. This was actually just published in on the 21st, uh, so this, this month. Drug addict-liked withdrawal from quitting junk food. They actually did a study. Okay, no, where they, impossible. Where they had people... You you know get, get, take processed foods out of their diet mm-hmm. like pizza, French fries, and they had withdrawal, and they had withdrawal Weird. symptoms, and the 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 withdrawal symptoms were like anxiety, headaches, irritability, and depression. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a good, although it's an obvious study. This is good because now we have finally scientific evidence, because now they can go in the opposite direction and say, well. If food, if if taking foods out can cause withdrawal, does that mean that they have addict that certain foods have addictive like properties, and then that will be the next phase? Because you know we always have these debates with people who say we haven't proven that yet. It's all about I know, dude. You ask any trainer or anybody's worked with people for longer than five days, right? They'll tell you that obviously people have withdrawal when they when they now the the key will be is the withdrawal from the food itself or is it from the emotional connection? To the food, you know what I'm saying? Behavior. Behavior. Yeah, like I love this, this, you know, my morning bagel so much. Now I eliminate right. it now. Or is it something that's in the bagel mm. that's causing that that type of thing? I know as a trainer, getting people to remove certain foods from the diet harder than anything else. I could. Yeah. It's almost the hardest thing you could possibly do. Yeah, and I mean, definitely you could speak on the psychological factors, right? I mean, that's something that we've just seen, like people's behavior change, you know, as a result of changing like super addictive foods like that that have properties. But yeah, as far as a chemical, like it, there's, I'm sure there's always going to be debate on that, you know, from from the scientific. Well, when people argue this kind of, because I saw another article that said that you know, food does not make kids hyperactive. Depending, depend, doesn't matter what they eat. I think this is insane. Food for sure has an effect on how you feel. It, I mean, it's visible. Everybody listening right now, and I don't see who you are, but just go ahead and do this. Raise your hand if if you've ever eaten something that's made you feel happy. Oh or, wow, nobody raised their hand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, of co- of course, food affects how you feel. So why is it such a? Why do we have to have such a debate as to whether or not? It can cause withdrawal or cause kids to feel hyperactive yeah. or cause people to feel depressed or whatever. Nobody just want, nobody wants to stick their neck out there, you know, and lead the charge. You it's know? insane to me. Do yeah. you guys think there are, certain, there are certain foods that you're, as a trainer, that were the hardest for clients to let go of? Like types of foods or alcohol or things like that or sugars or like- Wine was a big one for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah when people are big wine drinkers, yes. getting them to cut wine out was like- I, this, is how I, this is how I relax, you know, is, is what was like thrown back at me like really hard. Oh, <laughs> I'm I've, like, whoa. Yeah. Like, but it Because, you know, when, when they have such a high stress job and when this is like the one thing they look forward to and they get home and it feels like, you know, psychologically it brings them to a better state, you know, to then kind of describe, well, there's a, a better process to get you there. We got to work on another means to get that same feeling. It's like they don't even want to like. Uh, oh, I've had clients. I remember used to hire me and be like. It. I'll so, cut food out instead of wine. You forget yeah, that. Yeah, 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 all the food. Yeah, let's, work, and, let's focus and on that. Like, this isn't yes. changing. Can you help me? You know, like, I'm going to keep my wine. I'm yeah. going to keep drinking it. Can you change me? And alcohol is probably one of the hardest, I think, to deal with. Mm-hmm. It is. It really, it really is. When it, when it comes to, like, getting someone in good shape. And, and people, there's just, there's so many debates around this. That's why I wanted to push the, the conversation, this topic of, like, you know, can you get in shape and still drink alcohol? Sure. There's plenty of examples of people out there that, 
have six pack abs and they're drinking and doesn't help you to get there though. No, but it has to be one of the biggest obstacles when I'm helping somebody who's coming to me saying, Hey, I need to get in shape. Now allowing somebody who's already in shape, the occasional alcohol here and there is much easier in my opinion than it is to take somebody who drinks on a regular basis, whether it be multiple nights a week of having wine or the Saturday or Sunday where they drink eight to 10 plus drinks, which would be considered binge drinking, by the way. I think binge is over four, three or four, Mm. believe it or not. Which is already hard for people to admit what that is because that's just one bottle of wine. That's one bottle of wine or that's a six pack of beer. Right. When they're pouring a cup, it's like half the bottle. Yeah. Like it all depends. I have one glass. (laughs) Yeah. The glass is usually like this punch bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I used to have- I just had one glass. I used to have, I had this conversation with a client once that I was so hard to navigate because she was like, I told her, I'm like, well, I mean, you have- two full glasses of wine every night, which is this many calories and this much sugar and whatever. I said, and she'd be like, it's the one thing I look forward to. And I had this conversation with with her, which was like, maybe we should look at the rest of your life. If the, the highlight of your day is two glasses of wine, right. if point. that's the thing that you look forward to, maybe we should look at the rest of your life and see like, because it, it shouldn't be that. I'm sorry, if, if your life is so bad that that's what you look forward to, is a glass of wine. You might need to look at the rest of your life and figure out what's going on. So we would have these conversations, but it was tough to navigate. That's a great point, though, because if you don't address that, it's going to be really tough to get them in shape, not just from a... And I think this is where people have a hard time understanding. It's not just from a calorie perspective and what alcohol does inside the body, but what you're saying, that if alcohol is so important to you that you have to have in your diet, what is that saying about the rest of your life? More than likely, yeah. you might have high stress. More than likely, you may not be the best sleeper. More than likely, you may not have the best relationship. There might be other things that are in your life that are actually hindering your weight loss that isn't just related to calories mm-hmm. yeah. that because you're so attached to whatever this may be. And then we're just picking well, on, we're picking on wine, but we're it could picking be on alcohol. Yeah, exactly. And I was thinking, I mean, there's other foods like a donut or, or you know, something else that's like, it, it, for them, it like symbolizes this happiness, you know, this, this immediate like joy. And so it's, they, they try to like somehow incorporate that within their lifestyle, make it work. And like, it's always trying to make it work, but um, you know, why, why is that such a significant thing for you to place your focus it's on? the attachment. I, yeah. My favorite is when I was, tough. when I'll tell people like, okay, well, let's try removing, you know, dairy or let's try removing gluten or whatever. And people will look at me and be like, what do I eat? What do you mean? Yeah, yeah. what do I eat now? <laughs> I don't know what to eat. I'm like, oh yeah. shit, like <laughs> you don't know what to eat. Literally, if we just remove one small category, oh, you, yeah. I never eat dairy. I can't eat dairy, right? I can't, trust me, there's lots of foods I can eat. But how often I'll tell a client. I was sad like those weeks I went without cheese. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, guys. you do have a little bit sad. of an addiction to, to cheese. <laughs> yeah. Speak, by, speaking of alcohol, by the way, uh, you know how many messages I'm getting from people who have now tried the the, the charcoal? Yes. With alcohol? Yes. <laughs> and everybody's like, and I don't want to advocate for this. I'm not uh, telling you this is what you need to do. No. This is an anecdote again, but I'm getting a lot more anecdote. That shit works, man. You yeah. drink and you have some activated charcoal while you're drinking. Are you, are you using the Four Sigmatic one? Yeah. Is that the, the one you're using? It's the lemonade charcoal. So do you just so I don't, okay so are you making the tea and then drinking the tea and then going into your your No, I'll take a, I'll take the powder with me. And after my first drink, <laughs> mix it in a beer or something? No, I'll just mix it in some water and just pound it real quick. It'd be good if you were like into Mike's hard lemonade or something. You, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you pour it in the Make it black. spiked lemonade. Smiled like yeah. nice nice yeah. Yeah, charcoal all over your teeth or whatever. <laughs> 
But now people are messaging me and they're like, like one guy messaged me and all he put was a picture of the, the activated charcoal, you know, the four sigmatic. And then underneath it, he just put fucking miracle. And I was cracking <laughs> up. Yeah, like total, well, I did, a, I did another post of, of, I think me either drinking. Oh yeah. It was the post I just did on Instagram of uh, me drinking the Moscow mule at that, that talk that we did. And someone was harassing me about, you know, guy who says he never drinks post <laughs> post three times of, of in the last two weeks or whatever of, of drinking. I'm like, oh, you know, that's a good point. Well, <laughs> in the last year, I really have drank more than I probably have in the previous ten. And that's Justin's I, fault. By the yeah, way, it's, it's not a it's offense. still not a lot. Like you, could, I still count on one hand how many times. But I'm trying I to keep you guys cool. You know what I mean? The the charcoal thing has been a game changer for me, dude. It really it really has so huge, right? Yeah, I know. Because I'm like you, like alcohol always affects me negative. I could have a drop of it. But now because of that, I feel so much better. Maybe it's a bad thing. You it's know, a dangerous. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it probably. That is. has to be one of my favorite uh, talks that we ever did, though, because we we were supposed oh, to talk yeah. at uh, what's his name? Uh, Vince. Yeah, Vince Del Monte's. Uh, he had his uh, his his mastermind hey, thing. Or whatever. Speaking of drinking, who was the idiot that was drinking and putting the Juve light together? Because that thing is impossible to fucking turn on. No, no, it works. Doug oh, shows me how to work. Yeah, out. and it's like insanely powerful in comparison to the last one. If you turned it on and like oh, got dude. blasted by this it. is the mod. So it's mod. It's modular, which I think means because it's got all these independent. They're panels, all connected, but you can separate them. You can use them individually. You can create like a little wall. You can put it around your body. Yeah, and they are more powerful. So yeah. have you figured out now? Have we get because when we first were D- playing, Doug showed me. To do it. Oh, so you figured it out. So there's mm. like, is there like a master switch that turns them all on? Yeah. Now? So so there's two switches. One of them connects all of them, and then once you connect all of them, you turn one on, and it turns all of them on. Right, Doug? Yeah. Am I saying that right? No, we actually turned on all the switches, but we may not have it mastered yet. Okay. But we get it working. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah no, it works. I see it working, but yeah. I try to use it after one of you guys, and it's like all just all these switches I got to turn on. I know it's not supposed to be like that. I think mm-hmm. somebody's going around just flipping switches randomly, so <laughs> we always have to go back and reset it. It's like we need to have a, a protocol here for yeah. turning on the juve. So I know you're back to using. I know I stole. The I'm other. using it now because we have it now. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Now, now we <laughs> yeah, have two. Yeah. You have one at your house. I do have one at my house, and I. You know what? Like. It was probably out of all the things that I was doing to get my testosterone up, it was the thing that I did the most consistent at the beginning, and then I have fallen off the most. And I really want to, now that I've got my test a second time with the testosterone, I really want to apply being consistent with it again mm-hmm. like I was before because for a while there I was really consistent with it. Dude, why not just fucking is there a limit well, to you know how, how many times you, you know, can use it? You know how how we're all assholes. This is just human nature what we do. Like we you know I do something like that and I'd be lying if I you know, if I said it wasn't like this that I do something I I get the results that I want from it. I'm happy and excited about it then so do I st- I stop doing it, you know? It's like mm-hmm. you got to keep you uh, with this with where at least with the condition that I have as low of testosterone as I have, I can tell that it's something that it needs to be a part of my regimen if I'm going to keep those high levels. Right. Yeah. Is there a limit to like I know you used it once a day when you were using it a lot. Can you use it twice a day? I don't see why not. Okay, we should find out. You know, I think Ben wrote a really good blog on it. I'll ask him. I know he wrote it. Because I would, I would, if I if I had that shit in my house, I would do it before bed. And I mean, but uh, before bed at night, and when I wake up twice a day. Yeah. Well, when I was at the other house, and and that's part of the reason why I fell off is I've moved, right? So my routine has changed a little bit, and I used to have it mounted and set up right at the edge of my bed. So I literally would get sh- shower and then come out of the shower. And then I would dry myself basically naked in front of this thing and just that's how I'd get ready every morning. 
So that was a really good routine. Well, now I don't have it. Now it's in my, you know, one of my spare rooms. So well, the biggest thing that you used to talk about was your your psoriasis. Yeah, and that is the so that is the thing that's actually making me want to do it more was because when I was doing it. I was doing it also. I was also, you know, trying to get the benefits for the balding thing. So mm-hmm. I, my head would be off and I'd be massaging my scalp with it in front of it too, right? I figure I may as well kill all birds with one stone here. <laughs> so, Pos- neck, positive thinking. Yeah. Yes, uh, everything. Yes. Bro. Everything, right? So I was literally doing that. No, I have these two spots. These two, sp- by the way, some asshole on my Instagram was like, oh, when you, oh, when you, you'll be cool when you actually accept going bald. Like, fuck you. I have psoriasis spots all over my head, so I'm never going to shave my head. Just to, <laughs> damn it. Those that are wondering. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've got these, these two big spots of psoriasis on my, on my head that are big right now. And I think they're big because I haven't been doing the light. When I was doing the light, they were almost non-existent. So that's motivated me even more than the testosterone. Because when I was being really good about that, wow. I was noticing my psoriasis being suppressed more than uh, than it was. So wow. Speaking of 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 suppressing things, I have figured out one more component to ameliorating uh, symptoms of of gut problems like irritable bowel syndrome. I notice when I take Zyrtec, which is the brand name for uh, an antihistamine. Okay. Allergy, allergy medicine. Allergy I medicine. In my car. I notice when I take that that I started to connect the dots that my gut would actually feel a little bit better. Now, mm. being that gut issues are an immune reaction makes perfect sense. So I went online. Went, this is why I love the internet. Because I, I don't think there's any evidence to support this. But I went online and all these forums, people are saying, oh, yeah, when I take you know Claritin or Zyrtec or whatever, I my gut is a lot better. Mm. So, And I don't take Zyrtec on a daily basis. I don't have allergies. But I know I'm glad I I, I connected that because now I'm going to use it when I have an issue mm-hmm. to to kind of slow down the symptoms. And I want to say that on the podcast. There's a lot of people that listen that have those kinds of issues. Another thing that you may add to your arsenal mm. to help with those issues. Well, I have Zer- I have Zyrtec in my car. Mm. Do you take it every day? No, I try not to take my allergy medicine every day. I when how I, often do you take it per week? <clears throat> maybe once or twice, maybe. Okay, but rarely. That that would have to be during. You know, springtime. If mm. it's springtime and allergies are really, really high, and I just it's unbearable, um, I might take it twice in a week, maybe three times in a really bad week. Uh, but what I have found, just because I've had allergies my whole my whole life, pretty much, is uh, if I take it too regularly, then what ends up happening is my body gets used to that. And then I just don't get the same benefits from it. Where I wonder if the body upregulates the receptors. I to- would imagine it does. Mm-hmm. So I used to, I always, so I have Zyrtec in my car right now, but I've got Benadryl, I've got um, Allegra, I've got uh, Claritin. I normally keep five different allergy brands that I kind of rotate through. And I've noticed that when I do that, that they tend to, uh, my body tends to respond better to it. So I try not to take it as much as possible because I definitely think there's something to be said about taking it very consistently all the time and the body getting uh, getting used to it. It's interesting with the gut, though, because I remember, too, and uh, the histamine-producing foods, you know, when you eat, uh, you know, a certain combo of foods, like how that will affect the gut as well. So then you're saying, like, Zyrtec might be the answer in some of those cases where you know, well, you're not your fixing, reacting. you're not fixing the root. So I don't want to say right. that it's a, it's well, a, like, a, yeah, like addressing the symptoms. Yeah. So I don't want to say it's a cure at all because it, it right. it's just, it's preventing a reaction, but you got to figure out what's causing that reaction in the first place. Yeah. However, if you have really, really bad 
gut issues or really, really bad allergies, sometimes it's worth it just to improve your quality of life, mm-hmm. you know, just to, you know, stop and, that symptom. And that's how I take it. I know that I'm not probably fixing anything, but when I have, and if my allergies are debilitating where it's just, I'm blowing my nose, I'm well, It's like when I take Tums, you know, and I have to, because I know that like, I'll, oh shit, I, I've had, you know, foods that, that will make me react a certain way and I know that's mm-hmm. coming, you know, like it's. I just need to, to suppress the, you know, the, the what's coming after that. So. Mm. Today's Quaw is brought to you by Maps Anabolic. If you're looking to maximize your overall muscle and strength, Maps Anabolic is the perfect place to start. With a full 30-day money-back guarantee, there is absolutely zero risk. So what are you waiting for? Go to mindpumpmedia.com and get started today. It's the motherfucking quad. The eagle has landed. Quee-qua. First up is Diary of a Fit Guy. If someone does their mobility drills at home prior to going to the gym, what's the amount of time that can pass before the drills lose their efficacy? As an example, how much value is lost if the workout occurs an hour after doing the mobility work? Mm. Dear diary. I wouldn't okay. think it's lost at all. Yeah, so this okay, so so there's a couple things going on here. One is priming, where I'm trying to prime my body before a movement. So let's say I have trouble feeling my my glutes when I squat. And so I start to prime my glutes by doing maybe like a donkey kickback or hip thrust so that I can feel my glutes when I squat. And then there's mobility drills to improve function, general function. When it comes to improving general function, you know, the more the merrier. Do it every single day. Your body starts to improve. When it comes to priming, you probably should prime your body. Yeah, there's a specific window for that. Yeah, I would say probably within 30 minutes. You know, I think if you wait too long, then you might not get the benefit of the priming. But, you know, an hour, you're probably still getting some. I mean, that, of that, course, you're still going to get yeah. benefit. You're absolutely yeah. still you're You're training a, a neurological pattern that is going to be advantageous to whatever you're doing. It's going to yeah. be beneficial. But this is also why we separated. We have MAPS Prime and Prime Pro, which is related to priming type sessions. And then we have like mobility drills, which mm-hmm. is integrated into our performance program. Mm-hmm. Like we, we treat them separately. And we, even though some of the moves and some of the things you do, seem like kind of the same thing, right? Or they carry over mm-hmm. to each other. But yeah, absolutely. When you're priming, you're just trying to get something fire where firing where if it's mobility, if it's mobility work, you're trying to uh, address an imbalance that you have or a, a postural deviation. Like you can't do enough of that. I think what's more important in this question is, you know, what are you doing in the hour between your priming drill and the workout? And so what I mean by that is let's say, Again, we'll use the example of the glutes. Let's say I prime them really hard. Then I get in the car and I drive for an hour. So I'm sitting down in my car for a full hour. Well, now that's a good point. This the sitting in the car for an hour is sending a different, a competing signal, which is probably going to win because I'm doing it for an hour mm-hmm. versus the priming session that I did, which was you know 20 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever, which is usually how long they well, last. Well, you can prime when I prime like like you're using the glute example, which is that's fine. Um, but even like um. Something that I always have to prime before I do chest, um, you know, because I I have the forward shoulder rounded, rounded shoulders, forward head. Um, I just have to either do the wall test real quick or I do some band pull-aparts or if I'm going right to a barbell bench, I'll do some bent over rows. 
then I just need to wake up all those muscles that are responsible for holding me in that retracted position so I can hold that through my chest press. Otherwise, my body will have this tendency to roll forward and then I feel this kind of pain in my shoulders. Mm. So that priming is takes me just a moment before I do that exercise. And so I have specific exercises like the squat, like the deadlift, like the bench press that I know my body, I know uh, what why it's not in, in perfect alignment and I know what will help it. Will it fix it forever? No. Uh, but will it will it help it before I do an exercise that I need it to be in that position? Yeah, and that's really quick. You don't need to do that. You know, it doesn't need to be like this whole dedicated session of, you know, I need to spend twenty to thirty minutes of priming my no. body, and then I go into my yeah. workout. I prime before movements. Yeah, I think there's two different ideas, and I think we did address them in those programs with prime and um, just as far as like where your deficiencies lie and where my imbalances are and what's not functioning properly and. Those take a lot more uh, repetitions and a lot more of these sessions in order to get your body to kind of come around to the idea of like how this is all going to play out. And so, um, you know, as far as just priming, uh, I mean, that's something that, yeah, you do want to schedule like your priming session before you work out like pretty close to when you're actually going to perform your exercises for the for the best benefit to, you know, using it that way. Um, but there's definitely mobility practices and overall movement practices that will really help, uh, your body, uh, communicate better overall and, uh, long-term. So it's just, it's a matter of like how you use these concepts. Yeah. And this also highlights something else just cause we're kind of on the topic of, uh, of, you know, corrective type work, you know, when you're doing correctional exercise, you're trying to change a, a default pattern that you have in your body. And so, you know, intensity is always important, but what's more important is how often you practice right, the right. new movement. That's the most important thing when it comes to correctional Because what got you there was doing the movement that opposes that or the antagonist to that so many- Just the wrong movement, yeah, right? all the right day pattern, long. The wrong pattern. And here's the, here's the reason why intensity is not as important, because when you have a default pattern, if I move you in, let's say, a more favorable way, as soon as I start to apply- a lot of intensity, your body will revert back to the way it moves best. And the way your body moves best is not necessarily the best way you should move your body. So let me, let me explain what that means. If I'm always, if I've always squatted a particular way, even though it's not the ideal way to squat, because I always squat that way, my body's best at squatting the way that I practice, even though it's not an ideal way to squat. If I want to change how I squat, I have to change my form and now reinforce a new pattern. But as soon as I add a lot of weight and push the intensity, my body immediately is going to revert back to the way that it knows how to squat best, which is the wrong way that I've practiced the most. And so correctional exercise, it's extremely important with correctional exercise that you monitor the intensity. It's got to be hard enough to where you can move and feel and get, you know, you, you, you can feel a little bit of challenge, but it can't be too hard because you'll move right back out of good form or out of the new pattern you're trying to build. But you got to fucking do it a lot. You got to practice all the time, all the time. It's funny. I used to use this as a, and this became a sales tool that I did as a trainer. I would take a client toward to a, through a goal assessment or a first, you know, free session, and inevitably they'd have, you know, one of the most common posture issues is like forward shoulder, and one of the common, you know, uh, movement patterns that's wrong is when people try to row. Their shoulders, yeah, their shoulders shrug or their shoulders remain forward, 
and they pull with their lats only. So their lat dominance is what they call it, right? So what I'll do with this person is I'll have them row and then I'll say, okay, now we're going to try it again, but this time I'm going to put you in proper position so you can see what it feels like. Then I'll move them in proper position. I'll use my hands to kind of forcibly move their scapula in position while they're rowing. And then they'll feel it and they'll be like, oh my God, that feels real good. And then I'll take my hands off and I'll say to them, now keep doing that on your own. And I'll, I'll, I'll let them keep doing reps until they fatigue and I'll film them. I used to use this as a sales tool. And as I'm filming them, inevitably, even though they know how to move now, they know what it feels like. I just put them in that position. They start to revert back to the old position. Then I'll show them the video and I'll say, now look, this is the reason why it's so important that you work with a trainer for a certain period of time because I could literally not just show you the right way to do a movement. I can put you in the right position to do a movement, but all I had to do was take my hands off you for 10 seconds and as soon as you started to fatigue, your body started moving the old way. And this this is what happens. This is why correctional exercise needs to be done perfect and it needs to be done frequently. When you do it frequently and perfect over time, that becomes your default pattern. Then you start to apply intensity. And now when you go squat heavy or push heavy or pull heavy, you're in the ideal, uh, you know, you're moving in the ideal way. So it's a, it's extremely important to do this super frequently. Now, when it comes to priming, I'd say same thing. It, priming doesn't work that great if you do it every once in a while. If you do it every once in a while, it, it gives you some benefit, but not a whole lot. If you do it before every workout, it's cumulative. You yeah. notice week after week, like, whoa, I am feeling way different. My form is way better. I'm activating muscles much differently. I have way less joint pain. I have way more. I feel more of the muscle actually doing the work. If things feel better, I can lift heavier, but it happens when you're consistent. You have to be super consistent. You can't get away with the, you know, two super hard workouts a week like you can when you're just trying to build muscle. You know, if I'm just trying to build my delts, I can get away with just two hard workouts a week. I've sent an intense signal. My, my muscles are going to build. When you're trying to reinforce a pattern, it needs to be done very frequently. Next question is from HGen9. Ripito just did a T Nation article on how unilateral training is pretty much useless, a useless gimmick used by PTs and YouTube fitness people because all the compound moves work the weak and strong muscles as a system and can't be separated to get stronger. <laughs> this was really, wow. I could, this was, someone posted this on our forum. I wish, I, did any one of you guys read the article? Uh, no, I didn't no. read the article, no. Yeah, I've heard him talk about this before, though. Yeah. You know, I have all the respect in the world for Mark Ripito. I think he's one of the most incredible coaches uh, in the fitness space. I'd love to hear Mike Boyle talk, it, chime in on this one. Well, I mean, that being said, I completely disagree yeah, with, yeah. with disagree what he's saying too. here. Here's the thing, okay? What he's saying in some cases is true. So do compound movements work the weak and strong muscles as a system? Yeah, they do. They absolutely do. Does that mean that there's no benefit from working one leg at a time or doing split mm -hmm. stance exercises or using one dumbbell instead of two dumbbells? Not at all. In fact, every movement you do is a unique movement, and every time you get better at that movement, it's relatively specific to that particular movement. And they do have a little bit of carryover. And when you think of the way your body works and moves, are you ever on one leg? Yeah. All the time. Well, there's the argument in itself. Yeah. You know, are you telling me that there's no carryover going into compound lifts? You, you can't really argue that. Like, that's asinine. That yeah. doesn't make any sense. No. Um, so it's, I what I think is it's just, you know, this is another thing where we start to form camps. 
And, you know, and this is very much, uh, to me, it feels like a marketing thing, you know, to really stay divisive in, you know, his system of, you know, because it's very, uh, you know, barbell lifts and, and, you know, Olympic lifts and things that he teaches at a very high level uh, are very valuable. But there's a lot of value in unilateral training as well, you know, from a stability standpoint, from a functionality standpoint, from an everyday life standpoint, like, um, as far as barbell specifics, I mean, there's carryover from unilateral training that, you know, helps, you know, to aid in the performance of these barbell movements. So I 100% disagree with this thing. Well, look at this. I, here's, it has nothing to do with working different muscles, by the way. That's the part that, yeah. it's not about working different muscles. Yeah. If I do a one, if I do a lunge, a lunge is a split stance squat. Let's be honest. The front leg is doing the same thing in a lunge as it is when you're doing a squat. Uh, theoretically, right? Theoretically mm -hmm. speaking. And if we examine the muscles being worked, same muscles, glutes, hamstrings, quads, same things are being worked. Does that mean it, it, that doesn't mean though it's, 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 it's a waste because when I'm squatting with a split stance or I'm squatting with one leg, I'm learning how to be able to move better on one leg. It's a different pattern. It's a different movement. It's a different adaptation on the body from a muscle building standpoint. This is totally wrong from a muscle building standpoint. All you got to do, I tell you what, if all you ever do are, are compound movements with both feet on the floor, both arms in the same position yeah. all the time, go unilateral, watch your body build muscle all of a sudden. Yep. Happens almost every single time. Right. And I'm experiencing this with myself with, with squats, by the way. Yeah. I haven't done barbell squats in weeks. All I've done are walking lunges and Bulgarian split stand squats is because I noticed there was a discrepancy between my right and left side. Even mm -hmm. though I could squat and balance, well, no problem. This is the example that I wanted to use as how the – where, okay, if you have somebody who is all about compound lifting only, only about squatting, putting both feet on the ground while you squat, and there is a major discrepancy in one side, like Sal's about to say with him, okay, well, I can sit there and I can keep having that person squat and I keep trying to address that and explain to that client like that, hey, you're, you're shifting to your side a little bit more and you're using more of your left leg than your right leg and then that's causing these problems down the kinetic chain and now because of that you have all this dominance on one side and so I need you to mentally concentrate on this and constantly speaking to that, right? And maybe you can get somebody right. to somehow mentally make that shift and start firing equally on both sides. Now, in my experience, uh, it's extremely hard to get clients to make that connection. One of the easiest ways to address in an imbalance like that is to eliminate the other limb. If you're if you have a major discrepancy in squatting and you are dominant on one side, well guess what happens when I get rid of the dominant side and all we address and focus on is the other side and we uh, we bring that leg and we drop it back into like a Bulgarian split squat like you're saying, Sal or a walking lunge, then I can focus on that weaker side and everything from the ground up how you feel, how your foot feels connected to the ground, how you drive through the heel, how the glutes are firing on that side, everything, so we can start to catch that back up. So could you never do uh, unilateral work and still build a very strong functional body? Absolutely. Could you only do unilateral work and build a strong, yes, you could do, but why the fuck would we separate these camps? Why? Yeah. There are tools. There are tools for all of us. You know who's an idiot in this are the people that want to put a put a line in the sand right. and say we're on this side. These guys are these are idiots. No. You know who the idiots are? Are all you guys that are trying to separate people in boxes. The smart people are the ones that will take from both 
and use both tools to better themselves because they both have application. But even strength athletes. Look, I'll tell you what. I've worked with 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 powerlifters and strength athletes in the past who, for example, never did a split stand, or at least they've done it, but they don't never do in their training a lunge. And these are guys that can squat five, six hundred pounds. I put them in a lunge with the barbell on the back, and they're shaking and struggling well, with like with like a hundred. What's the limiting pounds. factor yeah. for strength? That your body feels that it's unsupported mm-hmm. at the joint. And now you're trying to tell me that unilateral training uh, isn't going to provide more stability around the joint, which inevitably will allow your central nervous system to, you know, feed you know more force to that movement. Yeah, it just doesn't fucking make sense. No, and I, now I, now there is a there is a a point of diminishing return, right? Like. Okay, one-legged exercises definitely have some benefits versus the two-legged exercises, which have their own benefits. Now, that does that mean that we could go one-legged now on you know the, t- the on your the ball of your foot now standing and balancing on a ball now? No, no, no. At some point, there's diminishing return because oh, you can't generate enough force. Hundred yeah, percent. You're not going to live in unilateral training to provide that strength. No way. This is why both camps. I think yeah. uh, why there's they help tools. each other. Yes, they should help each other. And and so I get Ripto's point. I, I, we should read the article before we rip him to pieces over this because yeah. no, this is based off the question, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Because there might you know, be more details, right? Because where I do agree is, and we've said this on the show. We said this years ago, like. A matter of fact, it was one of our first episodes that we opened up with was talking about, you know, functional training and how, you know, I mean, that was 15 years ago when that when that craze would happen. I remember, you know, everybody was balancing on a foam pad, a Dyna disc or a stability ball. Yeah, you was, tricep press downs. Yeah, you were, we were doing all these silly movements and challenging balance so much because we all of a sudden put all this energy and focus on that. And it's like what we always do right. as, as humans is we, we get a little bit of science that supports the benefits of that, and then we go to the extreme of it. And we already experienced extreme like 15 years ago. Like, I don't think we live in extreme. I don't think it's nowhere near bad today as it was 15 years ago. Do you guys think that? No, no, no. I, I don't walk in a gym like I I used to walk in the gym. No, that, that trend is gone. It is already gone. It's yeah. it's gone already. And so there's no reason to, to to draw the line in the sand right now over this. It's like no, that doesn't mean stability balls, Dynadisc, and foam foam fucking things don't have a place. They're tools, and they can be used by a really good professional that can see an application for it. And then they should complement each other. It shouldn't Dude, I'll, be I'll tell one you, or the other. I'll tell you what. I, like I was like I was saying earlier, I haven't done squats for weeks. All I've done are split stance exercises. I got under the bar the other day, and my squat hasn't felt better in years. It felt phenomenal, and yeah, I hadn't squatted I've at all. The same thing, you know. And it, now, is it because unilateral exercises are better? No, it's because I addressed an imbalance, and my imbalance was that one yeah. side was stronger than the other, or more stable than the other. And because I was able to address it, now when I get into the bar, boom, I feel more stable. And I can squat better. And so now there's tons of benefits. There's benefits for strength yeah, athletes. Different skill, be- different adaptation that provides you know, a new a new stimulus that, that that there's carryover that goes back to, you know, the compound lifts. That's right. Next question is from A Bowls fifteen. Is there really an anabolic window? If not, how did it come about? And if there is, could you please provide more information about it? Do you know the history of that? Do you do you know yeah. how, where it came from? Like, I, yeah, there was some science that showed. So there's something called the glucose transporter type four, which is a a, a type of a, a carrier on your cells that that takes glucose and transports it 
to fat or to muscle. And when you when you're active, you activate this GLUT4. And I, I might be screwing this up. Okay, so if you're if this is your field of research, you might want to correct me in my in my DMs. But from what I understand, when you exercise, you activate this, and it stays activated for a period of like 30 to 90 minutes. And so once we learned about the science, supplement com- brilliant supplement marketers were like, oh shit, okay, then the best time to eat something is right after you work out, and let's name that something, let's label it the anabolic window. And as any marketer, as any marketer will tell you, if you can ritualize something, yeah. like if you could take your product and ritualize it, like use this before you go to bed or use this before you work out or whatever, the odds that the person will use it consistently um, uh, is much higher. This is why medications work this way. One mm-hmm. one with breakfast and one with dinner or one before bed or because they know that you're more likely to take it than if they said something like 10 a.m. or you know some, some arbitrary type thing. And what's the one thing that all people who are into fitness tend to do? Work out. And so they knew if they attached supplements to the workout – just like they do with pre-workouts, um, the, the the post-workout anabolic window did this before pre-workouts. They knew that they would sell more supplements, and they did. As, when protein powder companies started pushing this post-workout anabolic window, protein powder sales went through the fucking roof. When I was a kid, nobody took a protein powder post-workout. Yeah. Nobody did. When I was 15, 16 years old, you know when you take protein powders? You used to take them before bed. Or just in the morning, you'd make a shake for breakfast. Yep. Nobody took a post, post-workout. I can't remember the advertisers that pushed it first. I want to say it was Designer Protein, which I believe was Dan Duquesne and Bill Phillips. So Bill Phillips, by the way, one of the most brilliant supplement marketers It's interesting you, you mentioned that because I, I remember when I was taking protein and, and I was really trying to bulk up, I, I would definitely take it first thing in the morning That's and try and load mm-hmm. yeah, as much as possible in the morning. And I, I don't really remember when that became a thing where it was like you had to have a shake right after your workout. No, I think it was designer way. And again, that was Dan Duquesne was attached to them. He also had Ultimate Orange for the old school listeners right now. That was one of the first like pre-workout, quote unquote, but pre-workout supplements that was out there. But it was really an ephedra caffeine drink and people loved it. But it was designer way, and what they did is they would write articles in Muscle Media 2000, which was this bodybuilding publication that they owned, and then they would talk about the science. They'd talk about steroids and all these crazy things, and they'd say how when you work out, you activate this, this you know, GLUT4, that's the you know, glucose uh, transport of four thing, that you know, it's, it, your body becomes more sensitive to insulin. This is the time you need to feed yourself. Um, and by the way, we have evidence to suggest that shows that when you do consume things post-workout, you do replenish glycogen faster. Now, in the long run, does that really mean anything? Not really. Not unless you plan on working out later in the day, but it doesn't really do anything in terms of contributing to muscle growth or anything else. But we do see that. They capitalized on it. And of course, if you know you're going to eat right after your workout, the most convenient thing to do is to have a shake in your gym bag. And then, of course, the argument went, well, you know, since we want to get this in your system as fast as possible, the best thing you could possibly consume is a predigested protein shake because you absorb it faster. Oh, and whey protein gets absorbed even faster than other forms of protein. And they developed this whole marketing like thing around it to where now it's become and at the knowledge. And at the end of the day is you you really are, you're sp- splitting hairs here. The, the difference. Big and time. Is there science to support that that is the uh, most optimal or ideal time for you to intake that shake? Maybe. But is it really matter that much if you didn't sleep very well the day before, you've had 
three days in a row where you weren't dialed in nutrition-wise. You've already- into- You're chronically inflamed already. Yeah, you're already inflamed. You've already hit hit your protein intake. You're getting an abundance of protein already. Like, there's so many- Your programming sucks. You know, like, there's so many other things that, that matter first before worrying about trying to get shake. You absolutely can get in um, crazy, crazy shape without ever even thinking about- having a protein shake right after a workout. Bro, this is like trying to put a freaking, you know, uh, like you've said before, Adam, a spoiler on your car to increase its handling. When, you know, oh, this this spoiler, you know, gives it more downforce, you know, by 2%. When you just change the suspension, tires, and all that stuff, it's way more important. This this probably amounts to point, you know, 1%. Of your progress. This is you? why the only people I ever saw, I got it when my peers were doing it. I get it. You know, you're you are so meticulous about every little detail, and you're tracking and measuring and weighing every single thing. And so, like, hey, why not also try and time this protein shake in right after a workout? I could see that. Mm-hmm. About every other person who's trying to get in shape, it's like it's it's a waste of the stress and the mm-hmm. the carrying the shake in your fucking bag. Now, here's what you do with that science. Okay, mm-hmm. with the science that I talked about about the the glucose transporter for being activated. Here's what you do with that: is when you eat, make sure to activate rather than worry about after your workout and have a protein shake, that's not going to make that big of a deal when it comes to muscle building or, or fat loss. It's going to be not noticeable. But here's where you do apply that science. Anytime you do have a big meal, go for a 10-minute walk. Right. Because they've shown that if you do that consistently, you increase your insulin sensitivity, you reduce your risk of things like diabetes diabetes and insulin you know, uh, issues with insulin. You also increase or, or improve assimilation, improve your digestion, um, and they're showing now in studies more fat loss and, and better health. So rather than thinking, I just had a hard workout, I need to have a protein shake, with the science, what you should be thinking is, after a big meal, I'm going to get up and move because any kind of movement activates this glucose transporter four. And there is an intensity variable. The harder you work out, the, high, the, the more apparently it's, it's activated. But really, you know, we, were just, we just interviewed Stan Everding, and he says that he recommends all his athletes, especially the strong man that he works with because he monitors their blood sugar, he tells them 10-minute walk after your big meals, and he says it makes a big difference. And so that's where you take that science and apply it right. uh, to yourself. But as far as this window of opportunity, because I used to, I knew guys, man, when you know my 20s, when this was a big, this was a big deal in my 20s, right? Everybody was doing it. I remember dudes that would get fucking angry if they didn't have food right after they worked out. Like, no, I got to go fucking eat right now. Yeah, you know? like but nothing like, else mattered. Yeah, like so and so's talking to me, and I, I got to go get my food. You yeah. know, can you hold on a second? I got to get my shake because I just worked out. It's like, it doesn't make that big of a difference. Next question is from Freeman Axtell. Can you guys make an argument for circuit training? I can make an argument yeah. for anything. Yeah, anything, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah circuit training. Um, I mean, you could you could set it up. So if circuit training, you're going to focus on that mainly for endurance and, you know, to, to build up your durability and uh, basically to build your gas tank and not use it as like a strength type of a mindset going into it i feel like you know that's a much more effective way to utilize a circuit training Uh, here's my my problem with circuit training is this because here's the biggest problem with circuit training is for whatever reason people understand with traditional resistance training more so that programming is important so when when, not everybody because there's still a lot of people that don't understand exercise programming but when you're doing straight sets and stuff people tend to focus more on okay, I need to do the right exercises, the right order, focus on the right body parts. 
all of a sudden, when people do sicker training, that goes out the fucking window. It's all of a sudden, it doesn't matter. Just throw a bunch of exercises together. Yeah. And as long as you're sweating. Yeah, and, combo just doesn't matter. Yeah, you're burning a lot of calories. That's well, all that I matters. Bl- I blame a lot of uh, uh, us fitness professionals for that, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for, for putting, sure. For, Getting too fucking creative. Yeah, where <laughs> you start putting emphasis on the program being how challenging can you make it and how much can you break the client versus you actually trying to actually put some thought into the program. Here's, a, I mean, circuit training, I still use it like a handful of times a year. And the way I decide I'm going to use it is like when I'm limited on time. Yeah. It's like that. That's a for me. That's a perfect time to use it. It's like it shouldn't be something, in my opinion, that you do on a very regular basis. The body will get adapted to it. You don't get the benefits of the straight sets. Like you just circuit training is kind of for overall muscle building and fat burning. It's it's weak. It's yeah. weak in comparison building mm-hmm. the metabolism. It's just it's weak for that. It's not an ideal way to train at all. No. Now. There's many times, though, we're in a hotel. Yeah, I was just going to say. You know, we're in a hotel and we're traveling, or I got a, a small 30-minute window before I got to go be somewhere else, and I, I wanted to stay on my consistency of lifting, and so- Don't have a whole lot of heavy weights accessible. Right, exactly. I don't have exactly, I don't have a barbell and stuff like that. I got a bunch of little light dumbbells. Like, great time to do some circuit training so I can get a great effective workout. Body hasn't seen that type of training for a while, so get some nice little benefits from it, and then go back to my normal training well, when I have access mm-hmm. to the gym. And you guys sort of see a, a form of that uh, in Maps Performance uh, with the kettlebells, and and you know, and this is like a great way to to use a circuit um, with kettlebells. I, I feel like it's a great tool for that because of the transitions uh, are, are very smooth, mm-hmm. and you could you could align exercises and pair them together nicely to where. Um, you still maintain, uh, control, which is, that's one of the biggest criticisms I have with a lot of different, uh, circuit training programs out there is they don't emphasize that fact enough that you have to still maintain composure, even though you're going through, uh, this, this grueling kind of endurance, uh, type of a workout, uh, to where that's, that's not a high value as far as like the form diminishing. It's not like immediate, like, well, let's, okay, let's calm down. It's more like, well, just fucking grind your way through it. It's all about how hard it is and how much you sweat. And, and it's like that with regular workouts too. It's just not as bad. Like yeah, I said earlier, this, this emphasizes yeah, that a lot more. Like I said earlier, even with regular straight set type workouts, there's at least enough people who are like, okay, I need to have good technique, good form. I need to feel the movement. I need to practice the exercise. But almost everybody I've seen circuit training, that doesn't matter. It's all about how much you could sweat, how hard it is. And so they just haphazardly throw a bunch of movements together with no rest. I will say this, with good programming, the right exercises in combination and with good form and technique, circuit training is a an extremely effective way to get lean in a short period of time. Your body adapts pretty quickly. But in a short period of time, like a two to four week period, if you do it right and program it right, you burn a shit ton of fat in a short period of time. This is what this is how we designed hit. Maps Hit. Maps Hit is basically circuits in hit style fashion, but programmed very well. And the whole program is short. We tell people no, it in the it's program. the only program that comes with a warning. That's right. That's it's right. the only program that we tell people do not just keep running this program. It's just exactly what you're saying. It's like, hey, I've got. This little four weeks away, I'm going to be somewhere like, how would I get lean and shredded just for those four weeks? Knowing damn well that it's not the most ideal way for me to be training long term. How do I use that? Because that's true. I mean, we all have that. I mean, I know I've been in that situation where 
all of a sudden last minute we decide, hey, next month we're going to Vegas and like we mm-hmm. book a trip and it's like, okay, I've got four weeks exactly right. for me to get in the best shape. Like absolutely this tool is being used here. That's yeah. right. That's right. But the programming needs to be good. You need to, it definitely needs to be intense, but it needs to be intense to the point where your form starts to become less than perfect and then you move movements or you stop. It's not go until you drop. This is how everybody else treats circuits. Circuits are treated like you fucking go until you can't move anymore and you get a badge of honor or a medal if you're freaking the harder you go and the more you can't move and the more you blast yourself or make yourself puke. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. If that's the case, then the exercise order and programming literally doesn't matter. Of course it doesn't matter because you don't care. It's all oh, about yeah. the intensity. I was always like, if that's your mentality, you might as well, like what we used to, it, which is hilarious. This is another thing that like brings me right back to like being just complete idiots, like uh, challenging each other and trainers I know are guilty of this. <laughs> I remember me and Ronnie who were like going through this process of like, what what would be the hardest thing you could construct in like five minutes and it was always like okay i'm gonna be inside the sauna doing burpees you know <laughs> and like all these different exercise lunge jumps whatever it was like under extreme heat and then his was like you know sprinting on one of those tread those step mills you oh. know for as long like it, it's so it's just like it's extreme thinking and it's it's asinine like it's just like at a certain point you have to realize like what you're doing like well and our bodies are, are brilliant machines man they're resilient and they will try and figure out how to like survive that yeah. and it like causes you kill yourself easily is what right I'm and, it, and it it forces your body to have to burn a ton of calories to try and figure it out but once it figures it out and it adapts the, the the other benefits that the circuit training provides That's is it. is very very minimal in comparison to your traditional strength training. So absolutely, like anything else, we t- it's a tool that is that can be used. It's also why we separated in a program. We put a warning to it. Like here you go. Like you can use that as a tool, implement it into your routine. But I do not think that you should be doing. You know, it's it's what's unfortunate about seeing a lot of these classes that are blowing up right now. You see the Soul Cycles and the Orange Theories and the these boot camp type of uh, classes all over the place, and it's exploding right now. It's the space to be in in fitness is to own these buildings. Now, I think it's going to be short lived. I think uh, you're going to continue to see people not see the long term results. They'll see short term results. Absolutely, you sign up for one of those places. And you bust your ass on a fucking soul cycle for five days a week for four weeks, you better believe your body will probably burn some fat. But mm. good luck on maintaining that for the rest of your life and see what happens when your body adapts and then what happens from where do you go from there. And so that's what you gotta be careful with this type of exactly. mentality. If you think you're if you think you're making some mistakes with your circuit training, we actually have a free guide uh, that talks about hit training, which is very similar. If you go to mindpumpfree.com you can download the the hit training guide, and in it, I highlight the three biggest mistakes that people. That's a great uh, read for this topic. Yeah, mm-hmm. that people tend to make with this type of training. Again, it's at mindpumpfree.com. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes Maps Anabolic. MAPS Performance and MAPS Aesthetic. 
Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.